War Podcast episode 14, go. Hi, Mason. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm... How are I'm you? chemicaled out. Yeah. Just put out a giant chemical fire in my house. Just have so many brain cells. Raging chemical burns. They fought the good fight. No, my dishwasher burned out, I think. You think? That's still yet to be determined. I don't know. I can't tell. I smell like the chemicals now. Oh, I do. Oh, my God. Oh, I smell like it a ton. Smell my shirt. No. Smell my shirt. It's not huge. It's in my shirt, though. Oh. 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 It's everywhere. You were, like, redlining super bad. No, it wasn't. It was only a little bit. It's like, I can see the, the milliseconds where it happened. You, sir. You, madam. Oh, Jesus. What have you been up to, Dylan? A lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do tell. We haven't recorded in a while, what's it been? A week and a half. A week and a half. But the world wouldn't have known that unless you said it. Way to go. <laughs> Spoiling there, everything. There are date stamps. No, there's not. Yeah, I put date stamps on these. Yeah, but there's no date stamps in the recording file. No, but when you upload it to... Yeah, but they didn't know that. They could have just said we would forget to upload it for a week. <laughs> okay. Which is also true for most yeah. of these. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what you want to hear about. You want to hear about school? You want to hear about games? Ugh. <sighs> All right, let's hear about school. What what happened? A lot of things happened. Um, we are award video games. We make video games, and now we're gonna talk about school. School games. So what do you what what's what do you want to talk about from school? Uh, just two things. One thing. So one of my classes I'm taking is the managerial skills development course. Ooh. And that's the one where, <laughs> at the beginning, I was complaining about the the name tag thing. Name tag thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. And so that class, it's only 50 minutes. It meets three times a week, and it can sometimes just be aggravating because... Do you know what my shortest class is? It's like two hours. They're all three-hour classes, every single one. I like that, though. It's like a studio class. They're all studios, yeah. But mine, this one, like, we come in, and then... First five minutes, he plays some sort of music video or something just to get the day started right because it's at nine in the morning. And then. I mean, you're like opposed to that, but that's not like the worst thing it's in just, the world. I, but when it's a 50 minute class, like that's 10% of the class. I mean, it's a little tacky. I, that's why I don't like it because it's tacky. Mm. I, I'm a big opponent of. I bet you're a blasted parties. <laughs> yeah, because I don't do kidding. tacky shit. All right, continue. And then we. So it's like for every chapter, he dedicates like three days for a chapter, and one day is he actually goes over a PowerPoint slide, like what's in the chapter, and then the other two days are like application, like group exercises. So it's like five minutes music video, and then 20 minutes of him either talking about stuff relevant to the material, or him just telling stories. I then... love that, though. No, and like sometimes he does, most of the time, because he is a, um, what's his what was his job role? It was like organizational development mm-hmm. consultant. Okay. And he used to work at Altria for a long time. And then he got his certification in that. And so, yeah, he'll, he'll tell stories pertinent to that. But sometimes, like, he has to throw in every detail to it. So there's kind of like a preamble to it. And then he gives us this group exercise. And then during the group exercise, he goes for smoke break. And then we do the group exercise and then mm-hmm. time's up so we don't really have time to like go over the group exercise. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of kind of wasted time without a lot of output. But he, he had this interesting... But I do like anecdotal stories. I yeah. Do. I really, really like... That's my favorite thing. Yeah, that's fine. 
like in my finance class, my uh, professor's an investment banker, and so he has just a whole bunch of stories about like valuation and investments. I think the context they provide is what separates what they teach from like an online school. Because I mean, the hard skills you can get anywhere. You know, what separates your education is is the people that teach it. I, I think, at least. Right. I like my managerial skills professor. He's a fine guy. It's just like the formatting. It's just not concise enough for mm-hmm. a class. It's only 50 minutes. Makes sense. It'd be better if it was twice a week. Yeah. It was two hours. <laughs> and, but so he went, one of the things we went over was this, I forget what chapter it was about. It was about like, do you smell like chemicals? No. No, okay. I smell fine. It is the dishwasher. Then. That makes the most sense because the steam got in my clothes. So you had the thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's all right. The, um... I forget what the what the chapter was. It was like building effective teams or something to that effect. And he was talking about like roles that go into a team and like what kind of people you need in a team to make a effective project team, whatever whatever the team is built to do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's an executive team, managerial team, whatever. And one of the really interesting things he told me is that one of the most useful people you can have in your group is someone who is the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. obviously because you have someone questioning your beliefs and your ideas along the way so you're constantly like having to back up what you think is true and proving that that's true mm-hmm. but he says you know on the other hand everyone hates that person there's effective ways to do it though right and one of the effective ways he was talking about is how you can just that person is someone different every single time so it just cycles through it well, but being the contrarian for contrarian's sake doesn't seem genuine well, no, we weren't even, like, that was that didn't even enter into the discussion. We were just talking about, like, someone who is actually productive, devil's advocate, hmm. is a huge boon, but everyone over the course of the project will start to hate that person if it's the same person because, like, they're just seen as the deflator of ideas. Someone's just trying to, like, roadblock progress. So you're saying this is, like, an assigned role? Like, you're going to argue it? I mean, it can be. It doesn't have to be as straightforward as that, but it's it's more of, like, this freeform ideas that... There are people in the world that are, like you said, contrarian and kind of tend towards that role. And the important part is that those people are very, very useful and powerful, but you have to... The creative director. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's what the creative director does. They challenge every decision you make and make you justify them. That's how, at least that's how... The... Well, the difference between that is that the creative director is someone with hierarchical power. Like this, in this scenario, everyone has equal power. Uh-huh. So in that scenario, you're just seeing the guy that can be seen as being the asshole but he's not he's just trying to forward he's just trying to make sure the thing is as good as it can be so the point of that story and what i pulled away from it was that i think we have a very good dynamic because i'll have a position and then you often have the contrary position and we go back and forth and that and that spurs debate and the spurs learning and then i can also understand like the opposite side of that where if someone is constantly contrarian, you start to build a grudge against that person because, like, no one can just say a thought and 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 that be that. There always has to be some sort of yeah. That's also like d- debate towards that. Just social engineering. Like you can't veto. At a certain point, the momentum of a thing is important too. I mean, a conversation and like you know, understanding where it's a, a genuine. A good time to bring that up, I think, is a really important tax skill. Because some people will just derail a conversation. And you can see it in social scenarios. 
Like it's it's the same the same people that will say something that just drives a conversation to a halt are the same people that are ineffective at bringing up criticism. You know what I mean? There's a way to couch it and um there's a way to make there's a way to be nice. You know, there's a way to to, to focus on the idea being wrong and not the person. I think I think that's really important. Yeah. I had an example of that in my screenwriting class because we were critiquing someone's screenplay and there's a student in there who said, oh, it's like, uh, this reminds me of Video Game High School. Mm. And I said, what? And he's like, oh, you don't know what Video Game High School is? And he had this two-minute, just like, overcomplicated explanation about a Video Game High School, and you could just look at the professor, and he was like, trying to try just be like, oh, okay, okay, all right, now get back to the, all right, all right. And then eventually he just, like, stopped him dead. He's like, all right, we're done talking about this. But that's not, that's different, though. Because he, he wasn't, he wasn't, I think he was passionate about something. He just got excited. That's not uh, the, 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 the thing I'm talking about. Is like when you're like there's a there's a there's a like a conversation. A good conversation has like a uh, it's like a living thing, right? And like it's it's moving back and forth, and it's natural and it's easy when you're around people that you like or that are you know remotely intelligent. Sometimes someone just takes a gun and shoots it in the head, <laughs> and you feel it in the room. And, you know, in that case, he didn't. He just took the conversation and just wrapped it around himself and made it about something that he wanted to talk about. But that's those are the kind of people that I don't think are the contrarians in your group, but they're the ones that oversell an idea over and over where they, they, they tell you an idea and then they tell you more about it and more about it. But you got it in the first minute, but you're now in minute fifteen. Right. And those make bad presenters too, um, at selling their own stuff because no one wants to hear what they already know. You should tell him that because he's a creative ad major. Hmm. I mean I I wouldn't see him. They're separate schools. I think it's like I think a lot of it's just like understanding how like the dynamic of, of of what you're bringing to the table and understanding what it really is and how important it is because I think people want to oversell a, a mediocre idea mm-hmm. a lot of the time or they they really they think because they made it it's that important but really it's not I think that's something that I've had to reconcile with this year is that you have to have something really good to stand on its own. Um, and you have to work really hard to get to that point. And once you're at that point, you should be able to step away from it really quickly. Yeah. That's when it's good. That's what they talk about in entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, there are no babies. There are no sacred cows. You just like, this idea is not your child until it has seen success. Like before right. that point. And that, that to me is cool too. But that to me is more about being tenacious and trying and trying and trying until you get a new one. And this is more about, what I'm trying to think is like, it's just being really critical about like this... Where this measures up in the grand scheme of things, and if that kid could measure up more video game high school in the grand scheme of things, he would have never brought it up in a collegiate environment, right? Because <laughs> anything named video game high school is a fucking like what the fuck. Oh, I think we were talking about Kickstarters, is what we were talking about. Oh, it was a Kickstarter. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that context, that makes sense. Yeah. But he could have talked about like Veronica Mars, or he could talk about like any other Kickstarter movie. Yeah, anything. The Scrubs guy made one. The what's the Con Man? I don't know. That's that Alan Tudyk one. It's Alan Tudyk and uh, Nathan Fillion. They like talk about being washed up sci-fi celebrities from a TV show. Really? Yeah, that's pretty good. It's very meta commentary. Firefly has a massive, well, not massive, but very vocal following. Uh, I like Firefly. I have a Firefly guy right here. Oh, oh it's uh, Nathan Fillion, brown coat dude. Um, but yeah. So shit. So when we're in their school this week, they uh, 
one of my professors for the, the, the business of branding class. He's talking about presentation. And he's like, every single one of you gets up and says, so, before you say anything else. Don't do that. And I just caught myself saying, so, 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 so. So. It's it's just, and some people argue that it's, a, it's an okay thing to do because you're just, you're using as a, a means to gather attention. Like, so, next point, follow me. But also, it's it's a, it's trite. You know? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know where I fall on the the so debate. I don't even know if it matters. No, it matters. I mean, well, okay, it might not matter, but it's like I said, going back to like listening to the podcast and listening to our own recordings. It's like, oh man, that's not. Some parts are like, oh, that's not good. Like presentership. It's not like you always want to be more concise. You always want to be kind of increasing that because the second you slow it down people are going to lose the message in the noise if you can't be so if you put if in you're doing what you're doing right now i hate you <laughs> that's what you're doing though come on you're saying you gotta be quick you gotta get your point across quickly yes i have to get my point across quickly <laughs> i wasn't making fun of you no i know you were talking yourself into a, i do it all the time it's so you have to reconcile what you're good at and what you're bad at it's not a problem i'm not frustrated well why are you hitting me <laughs> Radio the play. Away. Um, see, there it is, right there. Um, no, I cut all those out. That's fine. Don't. That's see. That's just so. Ugh, why do you do that? That seems so. I don't cut out every single um. 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 Uh, um, um, um. See, I won't cut those out because that's for that's flavor. Oh, I'm gonna show you flavor. Mmm. Okay. Well, well, I was like so. Well. Hey, just got got to cut them all out. So you had the class, the video game high school, and then you cut them all. Wait, what was the the before the screenwriting class? You're getting to a point of your business class about the contrarian. Yeah, just that like I I see the value in that, but I also see how like people would get frustrated by that, like how that how it just piss people off and say, okay, we we don't want to be in a group with you anymore because you do nothing but shoot down and belittle our ideas. But they're just taking it personally. It's like, well, no, but I'm trying to improve the ideas. Yeah, but I think also the difference between being in a uh, a school scenario, especially in like a school scenario where it's like a multidisciplinary class, which is I mean, I guess it's an upper level management class. Yeah, it was a business. Yeah. Well, by the way, like they don't have to be there. You know what I mean? Like, oh they, yeah, no. I reconciled that idea long ago. It's yeah. and I hate when professors say, "Well, when you're in the working world," and say, "Well, when I'm in the working world, I'm not going to be juggling six different jobs and yeah, having deadlines but, for them." I mean, I'll tell you, and I tell you over and over that, like, I thought, I mean, it was cool to work in a one-track scenario where it's like I I have a lot to do in this one area, but I was more busy working. Now, I worked in an environment that was a very fast-paced moving one that required a lot of juggling. But I had to I had to do more when I got into the working world because it was that much faster and that much more unforgiving. And I had a really good group of people that worked with me that, that could fail and it was okay. You know what I mean? Like I could, they would help me improve stuff. Usually by saying, "Would you pay five thousand dollars for that?" And I'm like, "All right, I'll go back and make it five thousand dollars more." Um, but I do think that that's something that you know is it, so true. And it's more true when I got out of school. Like I do. I, there was a professor that I just couldn't stand. Like, I couldn't stand her. I, I wrote her the most scathing review. Have I told you this story? Uh-uh. She's, um... Well, she, it doesn't she, matter. What she teach? Uh, it's, a, it's a class where you, it's called Complete, where you, you have all the different tracks, and you, you build a whole campaign with strategy, with the whole thing going. 
It's everyone in the advertising school. So you have the strategy majors, the creative majors. The, that's Wait, okay. making a campaign. So there's no, the PR people aren't in there. No, no, no. PR is a whole other. So there's three pillars. There's advertising, journalism, uh, PR. Okay. And I was in journalism and advertising. I was the, like, I said, church and state are now in the same <laughs> building. Um, so the the class, though, I hated it. I hated it. I hated her teaching. I hated, I hated all of it. But when I got out, everything from her class was, like, the most stuff I used. Because she was just, like, this, just this. And I, she wouldn't explain to me why, which is was my problem with it. Because I, I couldn't get. She was a better orchestrator of good uh, case studies, like an exercise. Okay. And she was a facilitator of them. Does that make sense? Like, or no, she was a better facilitator than she was a teacher. Got it. She could. What we were executing on was super relevant. We just had no context. Right. When I had the context of working it, all of a sudden it made sense. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is, this is how the client works. This is how. Um, and her class made my brand center classes way easier. But just because she, she came out of that program too. And she was trying to teach it like a brand center class, which I guess at the time I was too. I was too. Uh, I wasn't jaded enough. <laughs> I didn't realize how you'll put, you know, 40 hours into something, but they don't care about that. They care about the one little thing that caught their eye that you wouldn't even think about, like the, 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 the color of this button. Well, we don't like that color. So the whole thing sucks. And you're, they, they've, they, they can't look at the greater thing because they've looked at that one color. Right. So. But then they're thinking like the client is thinking like their audience because that's what the audience is going to see. Um, like if you're making an ad campaign for a client, client just pays attention to this one single color. We'll say the people that are going to buy the product that you're advertising for. If you trust your client to act as the audience and your agency or your, you know, your, your product or whatever, and you're not making it for your audience, you've already fucked up because okay. your client's going to work in a way that like if we were to make a game for a client, you know, the, the like, let's say if you were to make, that'd be weird. How'd that work? People do it all the time. Chipotle buys games. That Chipotle game, though. If Chipotle had its way, the title screen would just be like, buy burritos. Buy burritos now. Buy burritos Buy burritos tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's not... You have to act as the 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 in-between. Because the, 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 the product maker isn't going to know what the audience is thinking. That's why they're, they're going to you to talk to the audience. You know what I mean? That's true. And that's a hard disconnect. Because people that are, you know... And you see it a lot with um, startups. You see it a lot where they, they think they have this product that makes so much sense, but it's so many startup pages I go to. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck you do. I have no idea. Startup pages? Like the landing pages for startup companies. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, um, it took a while for, I thought that, I mean, there's a couple pages of, of people in Richmond that, that we know that had startups and I couldn't figure out what they did. And that's where you need that, that disconnect. And that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of BC kids go work at startups as that role. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like my, my track does a good job of explaining that because they don't care about what the idea is until they care about what your target market is. Like, does this does this facilitate a need? Until you can prove to me that this facilitates a need, don't talk to me about this idea. But when you're an organization that, that has already proven that for 20 years, that's where you start disconnecting or the audience has shifted, but your product hasn't because your product has traction your product is staying power right it has a market share but the audience now is a whole generation what do they think you know phillips made tvs for a generation that wanted to buy a 50 pound tv you know 50 pounds 150 pounds but yeah 
Uh, I played with the, for my school, I played with the Kinect SDK. How was that? It was cool. That's the Xbox One. It's really easy to use. Really? Yeah, it's super, I mean, I love all of it. The hooks, it's it's all the, like, the quote-unquote onboarding of using it is awesome. There's a, like, actual tutorial built in? Yeah, there's a bunch of just little demos that kind of give you frames that you can work in. So, like, there's, like, 3D face mapping, and then there's a depth analysis of the room and like there's compartmentalized into the, the different functionalities of the, the connect so you kind of can it allows you to look at all that and think of like well, what can i do with that what can i do with a some of them are creepy though like there's one where i can measure all the faces in the room if they're engaged or if they're happy if they're Ooh. sad it's pretty yeah, sweet i remember that and can't can't like measure like flushness in your face uh i haven't found measure, that one measure heartbeat or something but i guess yeah i can measure your heartbeat Pretty cool. The infrared camera is really cool. Works at nighttime, like that. But yeah, that's for a class where we are making a. Um... Did I tell you this idea already? I think I did. Yeah, you're doing the Drake dance. Yeah, it only plays when you dance like Drake. That's pretty good. And then when you're not dancing like Drake, it like flashes angrily at you. So when so, is that connected to the Arduino stuff you just showed me, or is that something? So separate? basically, processing. I will have a. An input that's I have a I have a connect um, library called libfreeconnect installed too, and that tells this library that these are matched to certain connect commands, and then I train those commands to be certain things. So basically, I could change it with you know instead of doing the connect command, do mouse click. Okay. You know, but it's just it's just looking for input variables, and this library allows it to call the connect input variables. That's cool. Input input inputs, not input variables. And you're finding it pretty easy to use, not run into. Oh, it's all just me breaking it until I fix it. That's all it is. And people want to work on group stuff on this stuff, and I'm I, I feel like the worst group member in that guard because I'm like, guys, I don't know how to do it until I do it. Like that's how it, all this stuff is. Like I can't. If I was a really good developer or a really good like engineer, I could sit there and be like, well, I'd probably do this, this, and this. But that's just not what I do. I mean, that's not who I am. Well, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Like our my senior project is slowly making traction, but there was a while I was just kind of sitting there. A, not having enough time to put towards it, and then B, not understanding the library we were using yeah. and, like, not getting a clear explanation from our sponsor. But but it's it's making traction now, so. We're taking time to go through documentation. In the front is so much harder to me than it is if I've been working on something for a while and then I can go look back at it and I have the context to understand it, you know? Oh, well, for this, for my senior project one, there is no documentation. Oh. Because you're using a repo, a GitHub, well, that has documentation on it, though. Yeah, but this one doesn't have very good documentation. It was basically mm -hmm. built by a university for, like, the purposes of just this one paper. Oh. Uh, well, that sucks. Yeah. But that's what we're using. And, and, it, and it, you know, does mostly what we need it to. That's cool. So how does, like, team developing go for you guys? Do you guys, like, tackle separate challenges and then... That's, that's what we've been doing. And it's frustrating because... Me and one of the other guys work really well, but then the third guy, he kind of, he's got super smart, but he has like a lot of things running in his head at one time. Yeah. So he's constantly like thinking three steps ahead. He's like, oh, we need to do this, this. Well, I'm going to write a script that's just going to crawl through all the, the, the source code and it'll spit us out like easy to understand explanations of what each method call does. I'm like, okay, I mean, if you want to do that, you can. I don't, like, and I can see how that'll be useful, but that seems like effort put towards something that's not us if we just focus on trying to understand this more ourselves mm -hmm. i think it would be better and i still don't think he's really 
tracking with that. Yeah, made any headway on that. But I mean, he's had made headway in the in the main assignment that we've needed to do. But you see that a lot with a lot of computer science students in some of my classes, like mm-hmm. that last artificial intelligence assignment I told you about that I had difficulty understanding, but I gave it, I, I turned it in regardless. I didn't do that bad on it because I had a, a logical report that explained like my findings because that was what they were grading, mm-hmm. not really the source code. But most of the people I asked was like, oh, how'd you do on that assignment? They're like, oh, I didn't turn it in. Why, why didn't you turn it in? Well, I never figured it out. I was like, well, regardless of you having figured it out or not, it's still like I feel like promptness is more. And I got, a, you know, a 90 basically on it. Yeah, well, because you but you also have the maturity in the context to understand that that's what that's what they're looking for. Some people just don't have that. Yeah, you think? yeah but I mean, this is a senior level computer science course. Yeah, but still, but still a bunch of twenty one, twenty two year olds. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just how it is. I'm like, not. You're not wrong. It's just it's it's it's. I remember my portfolio classes where kids would bring stuff, and I'm like, "What is this? Like that's the logo still is white around it. Like, come on, man." That's, no one's going to hire you. You know, and I think that's just... Not everyone goes on to do cool stuff. Like us. Not everyone goes <laughs> on to do cool stuff. No, I didn't go do cool stuff. I went and did, like, not super cool stuff, but I, 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 you know, I learned that getting paid to learn is way better than paying to learn. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's yeah, that's why I miss I hope, it every day. That's why I hope to do, you know, when I get out and then work on our stuff on the side. And I think that'll make me the happiest because like, okay, this is the set time that I'm working for someone else and this is the set time Oof. I'm working for myself. You're, you're a very compartmentalized man. It's the way the world works. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't work like that. I know that. I know that I, I will, the, the most thought I put towards our stuff is like when I'm in class or I was at work and I was thinking of like problems that we'd be facing and I'd be like, wait a minute, that would work for that. Or, you know, just stuff like that, but I, I I also my the way that my head works doesn't really I don't quite understand it. <laughs> it's a lot at once, and then it's nothing, and then it's a lot at once again. So it's a black box. As long as I can harness that and tie it to a, a generator and power the world. You following me so far? Yeah, it's a good plan. Mm. Mm. What else you been doing in school? Unlimited energy. Oh. So the other thing I did, so going back to my AI class, so my AI professor, he's the head of the Modern Heuristics Research Group. Heuristics. Heuristics. And they do a bunch of, I mean, I don't even, I'm like, I'm looking at the page now, but. Yeah, modern look at that quality web design. Yeah. Uh, so I work Isn't in the. Isn't that where you work? No, 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 no we're not. Oh, good, good. We don't make these. We make the main site. Mm. So basically the way that it's explained to me and my job, which is the marketing communications office in the school of engineering is that this is when a, co- a corporation thinks they understand their audience. Yeah. So, you know, this oh. is what you get <laughs> is that a, the professors of all the departments don't give a shit about what the main site looks like as long as they basically have carte blanche over their own like microsite. So you look at this URL, it's tied to his like um, directory page. <sighs> So it's not even like, it's not anything. So we don't touch these. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't touch mm-hmm. these at all. Uh, but it's just, it's just funny how much, because I went to a meeting last week with all the chairs of all the engineering 
mm-hmm. departments, and then this guy from Blend Interactive, which is a web dev firm out of uh, South Dakota, and super smart. Well, the the representative from computer science wasn't there, but you know all these guys were like super smart. Like the mechanical nuclear engineer chair, so cool. I thought he was a really cool guy, but you know. People from Marcom office were just warning, like the guy, the rep, the blend representative, like, you know, there might be some like contestion between, like, oh, I this is I think should be the direction for the website, blah blah blah. blah. But like when we got in there, it didn't it didn't seem that bad, and I didn't stay there for the whole session, so maybe it went downhill after I left. Maybe I was the rock. I maybe maybe those guys that are chairs of engineering departments have learned to pick their battles. I guess. Um, but yeah, but then you see these these microsites that are just tied to people's research groups that don't look great, but that's all they care about because they get yeah, the Yeah, human-machine interaction via brain activity monitoring sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, so... We have one of those things. At, oh, you do? Yeah, someone's using it for the next project. So he was showing us them because they have two, and he's like, oh, and they're on head mannequins, like styrofoam head mannequins. He's like, okay, here's the first one we bought, and that's the one you saw in the picture. It's like the plastic-looking one. It's the things that wrap your head and, and read your, yeah. your alpha or whatever wave. Yeah, they read your alpha waves. And then... He shows us the next one, which looks like like a, a a mesh with like a bunch of metal or gold ones in it. And he points at the plastic one. And he says, "All right, this one's X dollars." And he points at the other one. and goes, "This one's about ten X dollars." Yeah, we have the cheap one, not not the cheap cheap, but the one that you're talking about. The, the one in that picture looks like the one we have. Yeah. So, yeah, he took us to his lab. Which is so funny, because they're being used for such different things. Well, yours is like pushing research forward. Someone's trying to make it so that they can read when they like a song and don't like a song. <laughs> so I walk so I walk into this lab, which I think there's like four or five, I don't know if they're grad or PhD students, and they have all these different setups. And one of the setups is a racing wheel yeah. bolted to the desk with, a, with um, pedals on the floor, which is for this thing. So there's this bus simulator, which looks like the worst rendering so it's like this this bus ui that's just plastered like flat on the screen and then like all these gauges and then a stretch of road and just the lowest poly texture for the ground just muddy just everything looks like there's like 10 polygons for each like thing and it's not completely flat because it simulates hills and stuff and i guess it simulates real world physics but the point of it is to it was to measure fuel efficiency for a bus so you drive on this road, and over time, the algorithm learns what the proper mileage you should be going at for the best oh, fuel efficiency. Most. That's kind of cool. And, it, and, it measure, and it'll know when, oh, you're cresting a hill, so you can take your foot off the gas. And you'll ride it out. And you maintain So basically, what you're going to have in 20 years from now is have automated pedals for drivers to use. Yeah. And like, they just, then they just hit the brake. There's <laughs> a big red button on the dash that just says stop. I mean, that makes it. sense. Because, I mean, these companies are going to be working on margins and they just want to... I mean, that, yeah, that, that that's why I feel like, like... I feel like the shipping industry is still going to keep blowing up as less and less people go to stores and more and more yeah. order. And then you're going to see, like, stores act as, like, instant delivery depots. Mm-hmm. Did you hear the concept that someone would turn, that Amazon would buy a gas station chain? Yeah, and then have it just store their stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. So that was one thing, and then they had like a couple, uh, my, the professor said quadcopters, like he's like, oh, show them the quadcopter, and then someone, one of the uh, grad students was like, it's a hexacopter. Nerd. <laughs> Correcting them, and they were showing like um, 
their research, like they're programming for this hexacopter that like obviously couldn't launch it in the in the building, but he was talking about how like he can Have give you seen it a swarm programming for them. No, where they can like interact with each other. That's not a VCU thing. I saw online. They, they just know their relevant all these location. little ones. And the more they have, the more spatial data they can send back and forth. So, like, two of them are really inefficient, but, like, 20 of them. And then they move this. It looks like the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare packs of drones. That That is, actually, we did see that because they had a simulation running where they had, like, a group yeah. of them. And but and they were just represented as just triangles. And there was this maze. And it's like, all right, I'm going to, they're going to follow the cursor through the maze. And depending on how wide the corridor is, they're going to spread out mm-hmm. and they're going to condense. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he switched the 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 program so it no longer was triangles and just like a basic drawn maze but it was planes and then in my head i was like well that's just that's just for air, air drone strikes i mean that's just or you could just raid a city yeah. with these little yeah my my brain just went to the most dystopian scenario once he switched it over to the airplane silhouettes but also you could do stuff like deep sea uh like underwater drones which apparently the, the hardest thing for underwater like robotics is like uh, controlled buoyancy like right. up and down because your buoyancy changes the deeper you go I guess right. or I guess like how it, I don't know how it works I just talked to a guy that worked at the engineering school and that's what he did because I feel like it'd either be that or pressure just oh yeah pressure that's the the other one the other one you play any video games? Um, yeah I play a lot actually really? yeah a decent amount um, that's exciting. I went back in our Fallout 4, preparatory countdown. I'm so excited. I played some New New Vegas. So I did the same thing with Skyrim. Is that once... And I haven't finished the main confrontation at Hoover Dam yet in New Vegas. Hoover Dam. Okay. So I got the Explorer perk. And I'm just literally going from location to location. Just seeing what's oh, there. Man. Collecting Sarsaparilla Star bottle caps. And just discovering stuff. But what was great was that I found one of the best weapons ever so i so there's like a a bootleg bottle cap manufacturing shack somewhere in new vegas right yeah yeah i remember that and i went down to the basement of this place don't ghouls run it there was no one there oh weird yeah there's two of them because there's one it's like a it's like a bootlegging brewery Mm -hmm. and then the one that's just a bottle capping place i remember the bottle capping place well there's a bottle cap like factory for like a quest you have to go shut down oh that's what i remember yeah but this is just a shack there's okay a, there's a basement floor and there's like a bunch of nuka-cola and sunset sarsaparilla bottles everywhere got it but in one of the trunks there's a goss rifle and this thing is amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. you ever use this i remember in fall three. Oh, I've, I've never come across this thing but it's the rail gun yeah it's a rail gun with a crazy electron scope on it mm-hmm and it uses so it's it's one shot per clip, and it uses five rounds of the microfusion cell. And it's the it's the energy sniper rifle. Yeah, like if you like look at like the hierarchy of weapons. Yeah, that makes sense. But what's great is that my energy weapons is so high, and also I have that perk uh, meltdown. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So if you kill someone, they basically blow up into this plasma yeah. plasma uh, explosion that will injure or kill anyone around them. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, I'm so excited to pull up. I will oh single I will single shot anyone with that gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just separate death claws. But it's yeah. Just, yeah, death claws are well, I can take out death claw pretty easily with a sniper. 
But it's crazy. So I I'm always just, use guns, though. I never like energy weapons. I switched between the two, especially since after I killed the Van Burens, who are the only people that sell the energy yeah. weapons. So I have to be I have to be careful with my ammo. I still have like a thousand rounds of microfusion. New Vegas had a cool. I like their whole weapon system where you could modify them. Yeah, but once I had the silent sniper rifle, I was like unstoppable. <laughs> I would just go. Yeah, it's just me and Boone taking out people. Yeah, I'd drop Boone though, because he would just. I would be walking around also the cuts to a fly getting eviscerated, shot, and I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I was doing that, and there was this great little scene. So I was exploring like the southern region, which I hadn't looked at much. And there are a bunch. There are the the vipers, that one gang that you don't see much, but they're like the leather jacket, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically the equivalent of the tunnel snakes. Tunnel snakes. And you go into this one cavern, which is like an old abandoned mine. And there's like a a, a mine cart rail, like going. It's just a giant enclosure, just a giant single room cave. Mm-hmm. And this track goes straight down the middle. And at the very end is like a bunch of viper raiders just like talking to one another so i have the gauss rifle and so i just kind of like sneak around the side and it's literally three shots and everyone's dead because everyone's just exploding oh, chain reaction yeah that's fun and i was like oh, okay cool and then i just look around and i start walking back but so like i'm just taking a big like circle around the perimeter of this cave and another get another group of them is like walking in from like some raid or heist, but they're like just like do to do to do. I was like, this is a pretty cool setup for an encounter. That like you know you have oh the, the you have the away team and you have the home team. And they're just oh, yeah, yeah, covering yeah. the base. That's like, but that's I think that must be a like path thing that they have. Oh yeah, definitely. Because Desert always does that. They have the moving patrol team. And then the, the team that's, like, around the loot area. I just haven't seen it much in... New Vegas. New Vegas. Like, I saw it a lot in Skyrim. And I yeah, love... I saw it in Skyrim all the time. Yeah. Because... And I love the Skyrim Skyrim stealth system. And just how dumb the AI is. Yeah. You just take out a person with a, with an arrow. And they're like... Oh, oh, oh. oh, it just must have been the wind that killed my partner here. Man. Man, Skyrim was cool. Skyrim was cool. Oh, and then I had that minor freakout that... My PC wasn't going to be able to run Fallout 4. So. We'll find out Tuesday. Yeah, that's that's going to be a sad day. If... Oh, you. It'll be fine. If not, you can trick it. I mean, worst case scenario, you go into the file, like... Go into the INI? And yeah, it, yeah, and you just somehow make it think your computer has a quad core. Yeah. <laughs> and then your computer catches on fire. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's the issue. Is I have i3, and they said the minimum requirements is i5. But... The i3 supports hyper-threading, so it can spin into four threads. I I would be hard. It would be hard for me to think, especially because it's not a new engine. It's the same Gamebryo engine, so... We'll see. I guess we will. I think Preload's up for it. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, I haven't bought it yet. I oh, buy it. I bought it. When did you buy it? Like yesterday, the day before. Oh, I have no monies. Donate to Mason Brown's game fund. <laughs> Go fund me. Go fund me. No, I have a bunch of freelance stuff lined up for December, though. And I'm hoping that I can... I want to make a lot of money in December. I should start selling drugs. That's a good plan. That's the only way to do it. You should talk about it on this internet podcast. Well, I mean, I would only say it on here if it was true. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to sell drugs. So, going back to Boone. So, one of the great things that Fallout does, but also one of the most annoying things that it does... 
is that it simulates that desperate apocalyptic world in the way that like everything is booby trapped. Yeah. Like everyone wants to fuck you over. Yeah. Because everyone is just trying to get by. You were in that minefield in Fallout Three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I always thought you were talking about the boomers thing in New Vegas. No, that one sucks too. That one's that one's just not fun. Yeah, they just do the artillery there's strikes. There's no context to it. There's yeah. no explanation to it. It's hard. But twice in my playing in the past week, I have hit a tripwire. And when you hit a tripwire, you're like, oh shit, something's going to happen. But it shouldn't be that bad. Because I remember hitting tripwires in Skyrim. It's like, oh, a bunch of rocks fall. You yeah, know, just dodge the rocks. Thing hits you in the face. I went into this like little hideout like little gun cache or something and there's a chain link fence and I open the fence there's a tripwire and I hit it I'm like oh shit what's gonna happen and then four grenades fall out of the ceiling and just land in front of me hmm. and I'm just That's like good. shit 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 and I'm like running down the hall trying to get away from them and I'm just blown away and the second time it happened was in like a blown out building so I open the door there's like a building in the outskirts of New Vegas I open the door and I just walk forward trip ah shit Grenades fall. I'm like, okay, this isn't an enclosed space. Like, it's open area right behind me. I'll just sprint. And so I run. And I look behind me. And Boone's pathfinding just circled around to follow me where I last was. So I look back and I go, Boone, no! And his body just flies into the air. But he doesn't die, though. No, and and says, Boone is unconscious as he's flying through the air. That's funny. And then I turn around again. And then he just, whoop. Like, 20 feet away from me. And so I run up to him, and he's just on the ground. Then he does, like, <gasps> as he gets up. Is that what they, oh, I thought they usually get mad at you. No, he does, like, a gasp. Oh. Oh, Boone. The best was once he did it without his animations re-triggering. So he just was floating in the air for five seconds with his ragdoll, just all of his limbs splayed out in random directions. That engine's got some jank. I love it. A little, little Bethesda jank. You know what I'm not crazy about, though? The new Fallout UI, at least in the videos. Oh, I like it. Mm, I don't like the ammo counter. That ammo counter looks really tacky to me. It's just two just numbers with number a vertical bar. Number, yeah. Yeah. Did they get rid of gun condition? I haven't seen anything about gun condition. Dude, I hope so. That's my least favorite mechanic in the entire world. Yeah, I hate it. It's it's so arbitrary. I hate it in Skyrim, too. It's just... Wait, is it in Skyrim? Yeah, you gotta repair your shit. Oh. Well, at least in Skyrim, it was, like, cheaper. When you repair something in Fallout, it's like, all right, 10,000 caps. That or you just constant. I always would up my repair skills so I could just combine guns. Yeah, but, like, especially for, like, energy weapons. They're so hard to come by. Oh, really? But, well, I think because since Fallout 4 is doing that modular gun approach where you can stick guns together and put, like, scopes and and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I've, like, gone, like, kind of, like, on the low end of... I don't really pay attention to anything anymore. There's a huge crafting component because basically everything in the world, where most things in the world where before you needed a specific item to build something, everything breaks down into four groups. That's cool. It's like plastics, metals, adhesives, wood. And you use those supplies to build your weapons. And you can add scopes, you can add like a long nozzle to it, you can add a stock, all this different stuff. So I think... Can I throw a pistol at someone? (laughs) You can... uh, There's melee... With the pistol. Because he oh, clocks really? a guy over the head with the pistol in one of the trailers. I didn't know. Oh. Yeah. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah, it it, it, it looks like it's playing a lot more like a first-person shooter. Yeah, no, I, I did notice that. Well, they said they brought over the uh, a lot of the id tech guys. 
That makes sense. That would be helpful. Yeah, acquisitions. We even play anything else? <laughs> so, like a week ago, there was a Steam sale for all the Pajama Sam games. And Wendy loves Pajama Sam. I'm frowning at you. So I bought, it was like eight Pajama Sam games for 10 bucks. What a steal. <laughs> she likes them. I was like, hey, I'm, uh, you want these? She's like, yeah. I was like, all right, well, I'm buying these Pajama Sam games. You know, are she you having, do you feel you've earned your $10 worth? Those games are really good. Yeah, people are crazy. Like, about unironically, them. really good. At least the very what first one. What's the company one. that made those games? Humongous. Humongous. And that was Ron Gilbert's company mm-hmm. after he left Lucas. But we played the very first one, which is called Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. And it's about like him fighting his fear of darkness when he's asleep. He is Pajama Sam. So he goes into his closet, and his closet has this huge world, like this land of darkness. But what's really cool is so he like takes these items in with him. Mm-hmm. Like he takes a flashlight, he takes his Pajama Sam mask, covers his face, and he takes, uh, or his, it's like the Robin mask. And he takes, like, his limited edition metal pajama man lunchbox. Mm. And the second he gets into the land of darkness, like, he goes down this road. And the trees are alive, like, lying this road. And they're like, customs, customs. Did you declare your items? He's like, uh, no. And they just take all of his items and scatter them across the... So, yeah, it's got, like, a lot of, not adult humor, but, like, adult... Higher level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... So the, so, the, so the goal of the game is to collect all your items and then go confront darkness in his house. Mm. But there's just a lot. So so what's cool is, so I'm watching Wendy play it because Wendy, A, I wanted Wendy to play it because, I mean, I just wanted to see how this game worked. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was like, this will be a good run. I'm like, what do you mean a good run? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, when they take the items, they're randomly scattered. Mm-hmm. So almost like Diablo, like the level, the entire map is built differently. It's randomized every single time you play. Oh, that's cool. And all the items are placed in different ways. So the puzzles that you have to do to get the items that you lost can sometimes be really long and hard or they can be very short, mm-hmm. depending on how the random number generator worked out. Got it. And it's really cool. Like the puzzles aren't hard, they're just dispersed. Mm-hmm. So we're in something like Broken Age, everything the locality of everything is very close to one another. Mm-hmm. In this case, everything is spread out. So you might, so a good example is that you go into the kitchen in darkness's house and, and the kitchen's the best part because everything is, is alive. They all sing. So they all have a song. So the cutting boards or the knife on the cutting board is like, I'm cutting board, blah, 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 boring job, blah, blah. And, you know, you talk to the fridge and the fridge is like, I won't open for you because uh, you can't have the carrots inside, blah, blah, blah. And then so you kind of leave that room because there's nothing to do when you first enter it. And somewhere across the world, you find this carrot who's wearing your mask. And he's like, I'm part of the carrot vegetable liberation force. You know, we don't want to be relegated to just a salad anymore. We want to be the main course. You need to free my allies. So you take him. He joins you and you take him back to the kitchen. And there's this huge musical number. Of you in the fridge and the carrot singing. And the fridge opens the door and then all the carrots inside the fridge escape. And then he gives you his mask or the mask. But it's just really clever stuff like that. But you just have to like for a kid, like the the difficulty is just remembering. Like, yeah, yeah, because then you have to travel back to where you were. That'd be hard for me to do. Yeah. Like I'm just watching when you just click through all these screens. Oh, man. 
but yeah, like a lot of stuff is, is randomly generated. Um, sometimes there are items there to solve puzzles that aren't there in other runs, hmm. things like that. But yeah, so, but I was looking at this, I was like, this would be really fucking hard for a little kid to solve. Like, yeah. this is, this is like, for a parent, this is a good bang for your buck, because like, a kid would just, it would take them months to figure this out, and then replay it and play all the different playthroughs and everything. Hmm. But yeah, it was really fun, it was really cool, and just like, you know, you could tell that it was Ron Gilbert's. Style that was the first one, though, right? Yes, that was the very first one. And we, yeah. haven't, we haven't played any of the other ones. I wonder how. I wonder if they get more watered down. That's what Wendy said because she's played. She only ever played when she was a kid. She played that one. She played the. I think it's called Thunder and Lightning. Aren't so frightening. And she said that one's significantly easier mm-hmm. than the very first one. So they probably realized that they should taking the. You the know, first one sounds more like an adventure game, adventure game, and the ones that I remember were very kids focused. Yeah. But it was fun. I, I really liked it. I thought it was really clever. It sounds like it. I don't know if I could sit and play. Well, that's why I had Wendy play it. Yeah, I don't know. Because she basically had memorized it to such a degree that she could just run really? through it. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. So, yeah, that's what I played. You want to know what I played? Yeah, tell me. Uh, when's the last time? When was the last time I talked about playing? Well, what? What's the last thing I was talking about? I don't even... I I think I honestly haven't played the really? game. Yes, you did. We played. We played. Don't look. That's true. I did. Don't play look. That. <laughs> I did play. Keep talking and no one explodes. But not enough to like render. It was cool. It was cool. And I'm excited to play more of it. Yeah. But I still feel like we need to organize a time to play that. Yeah, we played so it played last night. Yeah, we played it. You have. I think we were too tired. I was. Yeah. I did not feel good. I think I think that last night was like the perfect. That's like my, my perfect Number. hangout window. It's like 7 to 11. All right, and then go to bed. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I mean, I had fun. That's fun. But the game, um, I don't think I've played anything else. No, I feel like I'm in like this weird spot where like I could play something, but I know I'm going to drop everything when Fallout 4 comes out. Yeah. And then... Play something to hold you over. I just... I, I didn't have time. This, this week... This week has been... I've had presentations every... Almost... Twice a week now, for the past like three weeks. Yeah, I've been pretty busy like the past two, two and a half weeks. Yeah, this week coming up will be the first week that I haven't had something super crazy do. I mean, I have this connect thing do, but I don't have to person. I don't have to like pitch that. That's the problem is that everything you do, I also have to like sell it. Right. And that that's just exhausting. <laughs> like, so yeah, I keep talking. It, it seemed really cool. It seemed like it was fun. I just think that we needed. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you have an opinion on it? It seems really. It seems fun. So we played it at your Halloween party, just because we wanted to try it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was like three or four people actually playing it, and then that's a, funny. A dozen or other people not playing it, but yeah, no, it was fine, and I, and I liked it. But yeah, we need to, we need to have a smaller its, group. It's due diligence. Yeah, party box. That game's fun. The Jackbox collection, though, that's my favorite party game I've ever played. Have you? Is the second one out? Mm, yeah. I haven't played that one. But I heard it wasn't as good. Yeah, that's what I heard. But I really, 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 really like Drawful, and I like Fibbage, and I love the trivia. Yeah, I think You Don't Know Jack is probably my favorite. Ooh, I, I like Drawful. I, I get, I've gotten kind of sick of Drawful. Like, I like Fibbage, like, because I haven't played as much Fibbage. Yeah. Drawful's fun. Only because I can draw a little wiener. <laughs> and that's why I like it. And it goes, hey! I like all those cues. My best memory from us playing Drawful was... When someone said Wumbo, and then the entire the, whole room. the entire room erupts in I Wumbo, <laughs> you Wumbo. Was like, what the fuck? 
That was really funny. And then Emerson chose his screen name to be Wumbo, and he fucking spelled Wumbo wrong. Aw, poor. That's, who cares? I cares. Oof. Oof. If you're going to reference something, do it right. Yeah? Alright. <laughs> That's just me. Um, yeah, I don't think I've played much. Uh, this is a weird turnaround. Usually it's the reverse. Yeah, um, I played Connect Software Development Kit, and I played... <laughs> I played Game Developer. I played I play a lot with uh, Google Cardboard and making stuff for that. How's That's that? It's pretty fun. It's cool. My friend's got the Mattel... The new viewfinder thing. Uh-huh. And that's really cool. We even played with the Mattel app, though. Because right now, it's just a glorified Google Cardboard. Uh-huh. So I'm it, excited about that. It's funny, because you're, like, looking at the technology that's basically dead now, and now the technology is, like, taking the place of the Kinect with VR. Oh, I don't think the Kinect... I think the Kinect, in terms of its gaming space, is dead, but some people are making really cool stuff with Kinect. Right. Uh, I'm curious how well that thing's selling by itself. I don't... I think at this point, it. I still think it's ahead of its time, but I, I, the gesture-based stuff, like when you start thinking of like problems you could solve with it, it gets really, really exciting, yeah. like for driving or for um, just things to allow you to exist in the world without having to look down at a screen. I think it's really exciting. And that's why I don't... I, mean, I think VR is really cool, but the idea of, of being constricted into like a, another screen is kind of weird. Well, that's, why, that's why I love it. Well, that's, that's, so fucking cool. that's why I think you and I kind of both feel like HoloLens is kind of like the sweet spot. At least I feel that way. Mm, I don't know. Uh, Maybe not for gaming, but for like other applications. Maybe. I don't know. I think the HoloLens is... I think in the case of like what the HoloLens is now versus what it could be, I'm more excited about Oculus and stuff. Cause I, don't, I don't think the HoloLens is going to deliver the way that I want it to. Well, not yet, yeah. But I think that the potential of the HoloLens is a much more... That's where it seems like it should be going. But in terms of like what you can do, I I still think there'd be I want to figure out ways to make technology work in cool ways, not in my living room, and that's what VR requires, and that's what you know Hololens kind of requires. Well, that's why I don't like how everyone just seems to have turned their backs on like like everyone is hating on Google Glass now. Like I understand oh, Google, it, because have you used it? Well, no. Like I understand it's a failed pro- product and it didn't meet its expectations in the market, but it's. Like, in my eyes, you know, it was an experiment. Yeah, but you're you're one of few that got that perception. Like, it it was a $2,000 buy-in. But I mean, you get one shot, and the, Google dropped the ball. The HoloLens is a $3,000 buy-in. So what's the, what's the argument? Well, but I, the HoloLens isn't out there yet. The HoloLens doesn't have reviews. The HoloLens didn't develop a community that felt it belonged without earning its place. You know, the, 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 the bad thing that happened with Glass is when the whole fucking argument happened about privacy with it. And, you know... That's right. That That's where the negative, you know, if you want to look at where it rooted from, to me, it started with that. And then people that saying they had a right to it, which, like, if you have a right or not, if you're making people uncomfortable, you need to at least listen. You can't yell back at them. And people were, as always, too harsh on one end and too harsh on the other end. But I, I think, you know, in terms of, of delivering a product out the way... And they need to Google drop them all, because you get one opportunity, and I, I think that's squarely on the fault of them. It's not on you know people not giving it a shot. People gave it a shot. People were excited for it. It had a huge amount of buzz. It just was lame. Like, it was just a lame product. And if you have a lame product based on a good idea, you can go back and, and do it again. But you got to earn the trust back. To me, at least. 
I just feel like that's what that's what Microsoft has been doing with things like the Surface. Like how many iterations did it take them to get the Surface right? At least two or three. Like no one seemed really. Uh, the Surface Two got a lot of good. Right, that's what I'm saying. But like Surface One, like kind of came out with a whimper. It wasn't bad though. Like the Google Glass was just an outright bad experience. Like using it was just lame. Okay. You know, like I, I, I'm probably a, a better parallel. To me, okay. Here's what Google Glass is. If the Amazon Echo had come out and worked 50 percent of the time, that's people would be talking. But people are amazed at the Amazon Echo because it works so well. That's releasing a new product and doing it right. It's like the Fire Phone. Right. I mean, I think that the failure of the Fire Phone is the same. You know. But also, like, they didn't make a case for why you need Google Glass. Like, what does it, what does it do? Like, what does it bring to you? What problems is it solving in your day? Porn. Always in your vision. Well, I mean, if that's, you know. And like, that's, you know, VR is solving this problem of, like, I want to be more immersed. Like, I want to I wanna be in this space. I want to have more scale. I want to have more, you know. And that's what I, I don't, I don't know what HoloLens is fixing, you know. I don't know yet. I mean, they haven't. They haven't showed me what it's fixing. They show me some really cool stuff it can do. Uh huh. But I don't know what it's fixing. But maybe they need someone to say that. You have any news you want to talk about? Hmm. I got a couple things. Uh, do you? Why don't I just read them? And you, okay. And you pick one. Okay. Okay. The Wolf Kickstarted game that we talked about before has been acquired by a different company. The what? Wolf. The the Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one that we talked about a month or so back. Rocket League is getting DLC that's ha- adding variants. I saw that. The, that's pretty cool. And the the, Mugens, the square ball. The square ball and then the hockey one. With the I giant. still, we had fun playing Rocket League on Halloween. I would play, I mean, I would play that. Wait, when did we play Rocket League on Halloween? It might have been the day after. Austin and I played. Oh, Austin and I played. No, I could beat Austin. I play Rocket League better when I'm drunk. <laughs> Like, I destroy people. Really? I'm really good at it. Like, if I'm, like, one drink in, I'm really good at Rocket League. It's probably because, like, all your inhibitions have gone away. So you take no, more I risk. No, I think I can focus better. I get really bored. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And, like, especially if I start losing, whereas, like, I, I can get less mental about it. Tim was watching a Rocket League match on his phone earlier today. We were fixing the the smell problem. What an idiot. Uh, That's I, cool, though. Yeah. I'm excited for that, and I'm always willing to go back and play some Rocket League. It's a good game. It's a really good game. One of the best games of the year. <laughs> I'd say. Ward games, top ten. It's going to be like four games that came out this year. Mm-hmm. And then Pajama Sam. Rocket League. Metal Gear Solid. Fallout 4. I don't know. I haven't played Fallout 4. What the hell's come out this year? Uh, like everything. Destiny. The Witcher 3. The new Destiny expansion. Uh, uh, Batman. Uh, Did you hear about the Batman stuff? No. It's back on PC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a bunch of games for it. And still didn't work. It's worked fine for me from day one. Yeah, it still hasn't worked for some people. And so... I don't think it's as fucked as people make it. All the evidence I've seen other than that they outrage on the internet, but, like, people in the games media space to talk about it, everyone has it for PC, so it runs fine. Now, they have modern PCs. Yeah, they probably have decent rigs. I don't know. But regardless, Warner Brothers is offering no questions asked refunds for anyone that owns that on PC. So, uh, Activision Blizzard acquiring King Candy Crush. Yeah. Do you want to hear about this? I, I did some sure. I did some in-depth research. I see that. Yeah, don't move. So, here's some interesting stuff. So, Activision Blizzard is buying King.com, King Digital Entertainment. 
for $5.9 billion. And like you said, new developers of Candy Crush Saga and Candy Crush Soda Saga, which are apparently their two highest grossing games. They've made other ones. I don't know what else they've made, but those are their highest grossing ones. The acquisition is being handled by a subsidiary of Activision Blizzard called ABS Partners, CV. And I tried looking up who these people are, and I think they're a real estate company. It's a holding company. Based out of New York. Um, that might be wrong. They might be an investment firm or something. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling what that happens because of tax reasons. Oh, I yeah. Like, obviously. I just... I, I was just digging through, like... Also, the liability and the transition, it... it I thought that's part of it, is the liability and transition... Like you, you do it through a third party. Probably. Um, they're paying $18 per share, okay. which is 20% over uh, King's current share price, or their share price that they report at the end of October. So was it $15 a share? Something like that. Okay. So so do you know how valuation works? Like, has that ever been explained to you? Mm-mm. So your valuation, so the reason, the way they came up with this $5.9 billion number is that it's, it's some metric within the company times a number so the most common one you find is um ebitda which is e-b-i-t-d-a which stands for earnings before income taxes depreciation amortization i hate accountants because that's the that's the (laughs) that's that's like one of the best indicators of right your your value your your worth as a company and so you basically you take that number so like king's ebitda is 900 million and so they multiplied that by six basically and that's how they got because they figured like okay this is how much money you actually have these are your assets or whatever well if it does on the income statement so it's not associated with assets but they just multiply that by a number it's like okay this is what we you think you're actually worth mm-hmm. and you can use other numbers so sometimes you use if it does sometimes you use cash flow sometimes you use ibit so they mm-hmm. take out the depreciation amortization and there are different cases for why you would use different ones King, their revenue, their reported revenue was $2.1 billion the past year. And then Activision's is, was $4.9 billion, which is interesting because, you know, you hear the argument of, oh, mobile's where it's at, et cetera, et cetera. But King is one of the most valuable mobile game makers out there, and they're still worth less than half of Activision. And also, obviously Activision's a lot bigger. They own a lot more stuff. Yeah. But it's 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 the it's the console game maker acquiring the phone game maker, not the other way around. Well I think that this generation has also shown that console sales are still a thing. Stocks are up. Or like, you know, video game home experiences are still a thing. Right. And maybe it's a better way to put it. So and then this is another report I found. So they're talking about the strategic rationale. And some and this is colored this is colored by Activision Blizzard, so it's like obviously putting them in a good light. Um, so you're saying after the acquisition, they're going to be obviously one of the largest global entertainment networks just between this, you know, between all the different stuff they own. And also alongside this Activision also announced that they're getting into movie production. Makes sense. And putting a Call of Duty movie in the works. Makes sense. Um, at least Australian. Diversification was a big reason. And they claim they own 10 of the world's most iconic, well, 10 of the world's most iconic interactive entertainment franchises. So that's Candy Crush Saga, Candy Crush Soda Saga, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Destiny, and those are the five that are listed. And I was trying to figure out what like the other five would be. Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero. Skylanders? I'd say Skylanders is up there. My little brothers are obsessed with Skylanders. Tony Hawk? 
Does that have cachet anymore? After five? I don't know. Um, I mean, and then you have, uh, you know, StarCraft, which is a huge brand. Right, right. You have, uh, I don't know, Diablo ranks. But yeah, so that that was that was interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't think it'd be hard to come up with ten things that Activision has that aren't massive franchises. Um, right. Do they have any sports games? No. That's more of the two K. Yeah, two K. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you have a what's the? Let's, well, so here's another thing. Okay. Um, King's going to remain a separate entity, basically, like its own operation unit. Well, you see, so it's gonna, it makes sense because everyone that rolls in. You know, like when when people are going around buying like stuff like Zynga and like that kind of stuff, they pick up all these little mobile devs and roll them into their larger process. It seems like it just failed. Right. We see that across all industries. Like you know, when mm-hmm. Amazon would buy, you know, we'll have to see what Amazon does with Twitch. Like Amazon bought like Woot and all that right. stuff. You know, EA buying PopCap. Like what's PopCap up to these days? Yeah. It's kind of been consumed by the greater machine. Maxis. Maxis. Oh, Maxis makes me so sad. Mm. Because they see you there, the Pixar video games. Yeah, and not. so, so they're they're remaining a separate business unit, and and all the executive teams still gonna stay in place. So their CEO, CCO, COO are all gonna be same people. So not much, not much. The Candy Crush marketing budget went up. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's, me. that's basically what they said. And they yeah. said they'll have access to the Activision resources, marketing, and. Makes sense, and but then what Activision gets kind of in return, besides obviously the increased More revenue, money. they also have something they list uh, enhanced capabilities across business models. Yeah, well, they they don't instead of having to make up their own model, they're gonna roll in you know yeah. their monetization model, or and they have the data to support it now. Yeah, so they're gonna understand free to play way better than anyone else now. But I mean, I feel like Blizzard has had a good grasp on free to play recently between Heroes of the Storm. And things of that sort. I think Activision is a smart enough company to make very measured decisions. Yeah. And has watched just what the social pitchforking, you know, that happens on the internet to make decisions that are very calculated, but also very, like, we think people will be cool with this. I mean, Destiny microtransactions got a little pushback, but they're not. Yeah. Well, it's because they learned that, oh, you do microtransactions on vanity things. Mm Mm-hmm. Because no one's going to care. Right. And it just kind of sucks because that was kind of a big part of games for a while. But also, it doesn't matter. Horse armor. Yeah, I guess it's just as long as the game is, is, if the game is better than that, then it's cool. Like, I don't know. I don't don't like getting in the weeds of thinking like, well, what if they design to this? And people argue like, well, the whole system's broken. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, you're just out of date. Like, But I mean, you do see obviously where it fails. Like Metal Gear Solid Five has a very gross micro transaction model i haven't played in just five though since all the other shit happened so well it's the forward operating based stuff that apparently it never bothered me never oh, the good. game is so huge like the, no game is that big like no game is that big like it's so big that something that like that is small like it just it doesn't bother me but yep. also the same thing as like the government's so big i shouldn't vote i don't know like <laughs> i can't talk about it both sides of mouth. So that's basically what came out of that acquisition that will probably win. I think it's cool that they're remaining their own entity. Yeah. I like seeing that. Giving a group, um, so we'll know by spring of next year whether or not it goes through. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think there'll be any antitrust action against this. But at some point, they got to regulate it. 
with gambling laws. Like I think it, it's just so it's just exp- exploiting human nature. And I think that the, if the casino industry is regulated, then you know the gaming industry is probably going to be regulated as well. That's my two cents. And once you have a company that has two massive brands like WoW or Call of Duty and, and Candy Crush, they're going to keep monetizing them and monetizing them. But you know if they do it with product releases and that kind of thing, then you know apparently Black Ops Three is pretty rad too. So cod blops. Overwatch is coming out in the spring for consoles. I'm so excited for Overwatch. That's very exciting. I'll, I'll actually play it. It's 45 bucks. Really? Yeah. That was the price. Yep. Hmm. It's kind of. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that one. It's probably gonna have microtransactions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So BlizzCon started yesterday, I think. Yeah. Did you see the Warcraft trailer? Oh my God. Which one? The movie one? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Looks like a Blizzard cinematic. Yeah, I shitty actors on Brad green screens. Yeah, it's exactly what I expected. I watched it once and I was like, uh. And then I watched it a second time. And I was like, okay, I I feel a little better about it. And then I watched mm. it a third time. And I was like, okay, well, this might be good. It might be bad, but Dude, compared to that Star Wars trailer, psh, 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 nothing. Wait. I didn't see the Legion trailer though. Was there a Legion trailer? Yeah, the opening cinematic. That you. That's way better. Yeah. It's for, like, can I tell you what happens? Because it's really cool. Sure. So it, um, I really like. I don't know how I feel about because they kind of do this back and forth for the opening cinematics where they do a either focus on general people and general characters like oh this is the representative of a tauren this is a ogre this or an orc and this is blah 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 and then they started switching to okay these are like the main players this is Arthas this is, yeah. this is Arthas this is uh, well in the Mist of Pandaria one they went back to the generalization. Wrath of the Lich King was so good, though. And then in Cataclysm, it focused on uh, Deathwing. Okay. But this one is really cool. So, you know, we talked about before is that the main location is the Broken Isles. And I guess they Goldan has opened a portal to let the Burning Legion come through this. Mm-hmm. So the opening cinematic starts with King Varian. So he's the, he's the human king. He's the king of Stormwind. And he's been playing a major role since, like, I think like cataclysm okay because there's this huge plot because in the original wow he was missing right mm-hmm. and his son anduin was like 10 and he was the presiding king of stormwind and he had like this cabinet basically that that guided him and there's this whole subplot of how varian got back to be king and and anduin aged 10 years because yeah. the game's been out for the oh my god so anduin is like in his early mid-20s now um okay and he's like a priest so the the priest class you play in hearthstone that's anduin oh really yeah oh he's also anduin in uh hearthstone isn't that the priest that's what i said oh i thought you said heroes of the storm i'm sorry no, no, i'm no, sorry no. hearthstone right i just i literally repeated back to you what you said to me i'm an idiot oh my god sorry about that it says chemical fumes yeah seriously but so the the opening cinematic is Varian writing a letter to uh, Anduin saying like you know I've learned a lot from you because because Varian was very much like the bullheaded warrior type and Anduin wanted to wanted to be the diplomat mm-hmm. so like for a long time it was Horde versus Alliance for a lot of the expansions mm-hmm. so this opening cinematic is he's writing a letter he's like oh, I understand you know you know you've taught me a lot about trusting Being a people man. trusting people and. So he walks out because he's like in his um, captain's room and he walks out and he's on this giant airship 
Mm-hmm. This giant airship is just flying towards the Broken Isles. And he says something to the effect of, like, I've had to learn how to trust people. And then behind the Alliance airship, this huge horde dirigible comes out behind it and flies next to them. That's really cool. And Sylvanas is on it. And they so just, like... It's them all going towards... Oh, so it's like the... Because they, they keep going... They kind of alternate back and forth, right? Because Wrath of the Lich King was very much like, we have to unite against Arthas. Um, yeah. Wrath of the Lich King was, like, where it started to break apart. Cataclysm is when... Um, like the war started again with Cataclysm. Yeah, because Garrosh became Warchief, because Thrall gave up the mantle of Warchief and gave it to Garrosh. But Thrall was, like, the level-headed one. Yeah. Garrosh was, like... Yeah, Garrosh was just, like, a bloodlust crazy guy. And, um, so for Cataclysm and Mist of Pandaria, it was Horde versus Alliance, because Garrosh was just trying to build up this war machine. And then the end of Mist of Pandaria is you dethroning Garrosh from being Warchief. And no matter what side you're on? Yeah. Like, right. that's that's the final raid. Wow. Is you raiding... Uh, it's called Siege of Orgrimmar. As you go into Orgrimmar. Did you do that? Uh-uh. Oh, that's cool, though. Yeah. And then Warlords of Draenor was the huge time thing where Garrosh... What the fuck is Warlords of Draenor? That was last year's expansion. What? Remember? No. Yeah. Okay, well... So in Warlords of Draenor... Gar- oh, that's the one that has the, the garrisons. Yeah, Garrosh goes back in time to Draenor before it gets destroyed mm-hmm. in Warcraft 2 and brings all of the the war chiefs from all the clans, orc clans, and brings them together and makes a huge second horde, or third horde, the Iron Horde, and then uses it to come back to modern-day Azeroth and try to attack. Oh, the horde. What's the, what's the Alliance one? For the Alliance? Oh. I remember everyone yells for the horde. Horde was cool, man. Horde was cool. That's why I played as. Trolls for life. They did a really good job of making both sides. I mean, obviously the Horde was kind of the bad guys originally, you know, in Warcraft. But in World of Warcraft, they made both very... Yeah, that started with Warcraft 3, where yeah. it made through all this kind of sympathetic character. I like that. But now Jaina is, like, the crazy one that just wants to kill everyone. Jaina Proudmoore. Because, like, there was that whole subplot of you go to Theramore under Garrosh's orders, and you just drop a bomb on Theramore, and it's just glassed. Mm. Yeah. I think it happens in Cataclysm, hmm. or Mr. Pandaria. You still just gotta right-click on a little guy, and then you watch him kill it. Cast, cast, cast. Spell. The game is a weird game. It was a lot of fun when I played it. I really like Wrath of Lich King. I really, really liked all of, uh... What's the northern place called? Northrend? Northrend? Northrend. Northrend, yeah. I love that whole... That whole area just looked cool. Yeah, it had a really good art style. I really like the Viking themes. With and the... I, yeah, the armor had the Viking themes, and the places had the Viking themes. It was cool. It looked cool. And it looked different. I liked, um... Howling Fjord... I knew what a fjord was from yeah, I geography. Yeah, fjord was cool. And, like, there's a lot of blues and blacks. It was just cool. Yeah. Very cool looking. And it's cool as contrast to what uh, up until... I hate I hate the Burning Crusades color palette. Really? The green and the pink. I oh, liked it. It's just... it's oh, It looks so dumb. And the character models look dumb in their Burning Crusade. <laughs> I hate Outland. I hate playing in Outland. Because, like, you're playing on Mars. I just hate it. I liked um, Netherrealm. The northern part of Outland, where it's like all the big purple rocks. Yes, floating. I loved all that. Yeah, that was cool. And no, 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 not the purple. I like the part where it was like the big green floating spaces. You know about where they had like grass and stuff. Oh, that's a uh, Nagrad. Yeah, that, that was, was the cool. orc place. I really like that spot. You think you'd like 
Warlords of Draenor then, because it's basically that world, but not spacey. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't gone to the World of Warcraft theme park in a while. I don't know how I'd feel about Mists of Pandaria, because I feel like it's too obvious what they're curbing with the Asian culture. Ooh, I would like that, though. I like that. That's why I like Guild Wars, because Guild Wars, all the locations were very, like, this is the African region, this is the Asian region, and all the expansions were based on, like, a like a different region. They, they did that in Golden Sun, too, which is really cool, because yeah, you, like you would go to the Western continent, and this is basically the representative of African culture, mm-hmm. and all that. Cool. Yeah. You got anything else? Um, bu- 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 um, not really. Do you? Nope. I mean, let me. On the air, that's terrible. Uh, You're out of control. <laughs> You're a loose cannon. You're a loose cannon. I think we're good. Okay. Is it. Is it. Uh, 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 it's a new Star Wars Andromeda teaser. No, Mass Effect Andromeda teaser trailer. Yeah, it's cool. The focus on exploration. I, I, I didn't look at it. Overwatch isn't coming to Mac. Oh no, whatever shall I do? Alright, Dylan. Okay. Have a good week. Have fun editing all the ums out of here. Um, 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 um